2: Hey, everybody. It's Betsy Hicks. I'm actually in filling in for Terry Oranga again. We uh, are joining you on the first Tuesday of every month, and my wonderful uh, guest with me, guest host with me, I should say, is Kristen Selby-Gonzalez. Hi, Kristen. How are you today? I'm good. How are you, Betsy? I'm excited. A lot of things are going on this week for me. Um, most importantly, after many, many years, my book has finally been released, and I'm very excited about it. Oh, congratulations. That is very exciting. It's uh, f- four years in the making. Oh, <laughs> so, so, for those of you who don't know what I've been working on for the last four years, besides um, running my household, my children, and, and uh, taking care of a uh, holistic medical office, <laughs> I've been writing a book and the book is, the book is called um, Picky Eating Solutions, Bringing the Joy of Real Food Back to the Table and the the book actually, Kristen, when I first set out to write it I was thinking it was going to be a gluten casein free type of a picky eating book but I decided that the there was so many people, who so many children, who are not on a gluten casein free diet, but desperately still needed to get vegetables in them, and I didn't want to make the market so selective that it was just for the kids on gluten and casein free diets. So I really geared this book to um, all types of picky eaters, and certainly I talk a little bit about gluten and casein, but it's really out there for everybody. Now, where can they get the book? Is it is it um, available to you or can you get the bookstore? Thanks for asking. The um, book is available in two places right now. Hopefully it will be available in bookstores and Amazon soon, but literally they just got delivered last night. So uh, right now it's available on my website, which is elementalsliving.com. And it's also available in a Kindle version. For those of you who have Kindles or iPads, you can get the Kindle um, app and download it that way as well. Um, yeah, high te- that's pretty high-tech. That <laughs> actually, the Kindle version was available before the book. I, it, was, it was a long wait for the printer. Um, and I, I, I have a Kindle, so I personally love having the Kindle because I can take the book with me in my Kindle version everywhere I go, and it's nice and compact. And I, if I ever need to reference it, it's there for me oh that's great so Kristen, today i thought we would have some fun and talking a little bit about what's in the book and and have a discussion with you about the topics that i chose to write about and um what your opinions are about those topics as well yeah i'd love to that
3: sounds great and then um i know we're going to be talking about too um some of the cool things because we're going to both be
2: at autism one this year you're going to be there on wednesday right I am going to be there on Wednesday talking about picky eating on the Culinary Health Day. And when are you going to be there, Kristen?
3: I'm actually, be there all week. I'm, I start on Monday, that, and then I'm, I fly out the next Monday. So I wow. somehow I've, I volunteered and got excited about all different aspects. So I'm speaking there, and and uh, but we'll talk about that a little bit more. I'm excited to talk, you know, about your book. But I wanted everybody to know that we both will be there at Autism One this year, and. Uh, if you guys have any
2: questions or you just want to come up and ask us, you know, anything, we'll both be there. So. And the book will be available at Autism One as well, too. So I, it's going to be a great, a wonderful weekend, and I know how hard Terry and Ed work all year long to make sure that this is the best it can be for you. So I hope everybody joins us. So, so my, the beginning of the book there, Kristen, I pretty much start with just kind of like a definition of what is a picky eater. And the one thing that I really like to define here, because... You know, I think there's a lot of a lot of judgment that kind of goes on into the realm of what, what is good and what is bad. And, you know, what one person is doing just because you're not doing it doesn't make you bad. Or because you're doing something that they're not doing doesn't make you better than them either. It's, it's all a matter of what works best for you and what you believe in and what faith you have in your own particular diet that you're choosing to give your children. So it's really, I really hope that the book would not be a judgmental piece as far as what you're choosing to do. Uh, Kristen, you and I know there are people out there that are, you know, barely skimming by with maybe maybe a little gluten taken out here and there. And then there are some people that are so tremendously strict with sugars and all kinds of different other foods that um, th- there's a variety of people out there. Absolutely. And, um Mentioning your book,
3: I wanted to let people know, too, we have uh, the, the new DVD coming out, too, which I think um, is very complementary to what your book is, too, because we didn't really focus on, in a sense, autism or you know, one specific diet. We do talk about gluten and casein, but again, getting back into that produce section. So that's gonna, that's called a Let's Go Shopping Special Foods for Special Needs. And it really goes over the ADHD, PDD, NOS, autism, celiac, and even the Down syndrome communities having a lot of help with that as well. And so that's um, that just came out this weekend. So I think, now, I only spent a year on that project. I didn't spend <laughs> four years. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand the labor of love thing, but that basically will be available. <laughs> wow. You know,
2: actually, it's so funny, Kristen, because I, I, I finished it just about close to two years ago, and then I looked at it, and I decided it was way too judgmental, and I wanted to take her a kinder, and more gentler approach, so I, I kind of turned it around a little bit and reworded the way I said things, and not was so critical, and just really accept people for where they are, and that's really where the beginning of this kind of starts into. But where I move into, into the second part is the basic nutrition, the nutrition basics, really, And this is something that I feel that is so important as a parent to be empowered and to understand understand why you need to eat vegetables and understand what high fructose corn syrup does to your body. Mm-hmm. Because once you you know it's one thing to hear it's not good for you. But quite honestly, if you listen to the news or all the reports or the emails that you get, you can find something wrong with every food on the planet. So really understanding what chemicals do to you versus real food and, and, and how your body loves and loves and craves really food. As much as I know that butter has casein in it, I'm a huge advocate of butter. I, I think our kids need butter in their diet. And whether or not you want to give it to them in the ghee form where you're taking out the casein or give it to them in the pure form, um, this is these are all real foods that I like to see back into our diets.
3: Well, it's funny because if you go back to like how our grandparents... You know, ate. A lot of the things that we're doing, we're not reinventing. We are basically just going back to what really was intended for our bodies to eat. I mean, we were intended to have, you know, farm-grown, you know, um, healthy produce, healthy meats um, Before the chemicals were all added in, people got things from the farm. And that is how, I mean, even the milk was raw milk. The butter was raw butter. This was a way that our either our grandparents or our great-grandparents, grandparents, for some of us, this is how they grew up. I know my grandmother was born on a farm and you know when I first got the diagnosis of Jackson I was all excited I was like oh my gosh they have this new thing you know it's called probiotics and she she, she just started laughing at me she was like "Um, yeah sweetie that's been around for a while (laughs) you know I'd be like oh this organic thing and she's like "Mm mm-hmm all right or talk about cod liver oil and she would start laughing because this was this was something that was very common this was very something that was known and, you know, uh, and you know, if you talk to, if you're fortunate enough to have any of your grandparents or great-grandparents alive, so talk to them. I mean, some of the things that we think we are reinventing, these are just things of how really Mother Nature intended us to be all along.
2: Yes, and that's where I get into a little bit on GMO foods and what genetically modified foods have kind of done to our food supply and our source and how we just don't... Really, break things down the way that we used to um certainly uh I speak about enzymes because you know how much I love a good <laughs> enzyme discussion <laughs> and how wonderful enzymetic enzymes are um you know a lot of uh, it, it whether because I know a lot of people that are listening may, not, may or may not be into um, gluten casein-free. And if you're not really into that part of a glut, uh, an autism diet per se, um, one other great way of learning about food is the Weston A. Price Foundation. Mm-hmm. And they have done a wonderful job starting to re-educate people about cultured foods and um, uh, eating the raw dairy and really just going back to the way we ate 100 years ago.
3: And even, um, like, that's another um, great person, or another great person is uh, Donna Gates, who does a lot with fermented foods, and I can remember when I first heard the word fermented food, I thought, okay, ew, that doesn't sound very good, but as you know, and that's honestly, and that's what most of us, you know, I mean, not most of us aren't running out to our local market saying, give me all this fermented, you know, cultured veggies, but once you start learning about them, and once you start understanding them, I mean, we make them here at my house. We have uh, two harsh crops that we uh, we have going at all times, and, and once you start learning how to do it, it, it does, it's actually not that hard. It's pretty easy, and it's kind of neat to see, wow, this is really what our
2: bodies are. And as you start to get healthier, your body actually starts to crave that healthier um, component. That's for sure. And, and there is a recipe for um, sauerkraut in my book. So, oh wonderful! Uh, I don't have a lot of recipes in there. I just there's just a couple things that I felt that people needed to know, and one was um, c- cultured vegetables or sauerkraut, basically, and the other one was uh, a good stock, chicken stock recipe, or it can be made with beef stock as well too, because I think that those are some of the two base foundations to being able to take that and adding so much nutrition to your to your diet.
4: That's
3: the broth people don't ever really um I don't think they really appreciate what's in a good broth. Right. And what's actually in there. I mean, I know my son gets broth all throughout the day of, you know, we take we take the bone marrow and we take the chicken and we do so many things with it, but I don't think people really Get um, how important that is. I'm so excited that you wrote about that in your book.
2: You know, with the broth, and, and and I know with your video and how wonderful you are about teaching people about shopping and buying vegetables. A lot of people get frustrated with vegetables because they find they're throwing them away, and and that's one of the great things about broth is that mm-hmm. if, if you've got some wilted, if you've got some wilted spinach, if you have some wilted kale or, or whatever it might be. You, you can throw it into a stock and give it new life. Um, you may not get the antioxidants because of the heating process, but you are going to get the vitamins and the minerals that are in those foods. And,
3: and I think it's important for people, too, when they are going shopping, to be realistic of, like, I know I did this in the beginning, and I've got to be honest, I still do this sometimes, but I overbuy.
2: Yeah, yeah, I do too. Especially you know, if I'm, I'm so hungry. So
3: excited, yeah. <laughs> not, oh, yeah. Never go shopping when you're hungry because, like, I will just start overbuying and eating like crazy. Right. Um, but you know, so it, I think it's important to have an idea of what what you're going to need, and it's almost better, especially if there's a local market near you. I know some people don't have that luxury, but if it is near you and you're first starting at this, don't overbuy where you get yourself so overwhelmed. Really start it, you know, kind of just slow and just try to figure it out. Plus, freezing is another great thing that we do a lot of. Um, we prepackage things, we freeze it, and then we can thaw it out, especially with our broth. I mean, that's something you can really do, um, you know, really easily. I know, I don't know if it's in your book, but we do... Um, Uh, we get those stainless steel um, ice cube trays and we can actually, we puree some of the vegetables and then we can put those in the ice cube trays, put that in the freezer. And as we're making our broth, I know exactly the amount of whatever that vegetable is I'm
2: putting into that broth. Wow. That's great. That's, that's wonderful. Well, I, I, I think that uh, broths, I love, this is a lot of the things that I talked about as a picky eater because I think that broths in general are a great place to start for a picky eater. So we're, we're going to have to take a break right now, Kristen. Um, but when we get back, let's talk a little bit about some of the versatile uses of a good stock and how that can be the foundation of getting your picker, picky eater to eat vegetables. This is Betsy Hicks, and I'll be right back with Kristen Selby-Gonzalez. Stay tuned. <music>
5: to a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: Hello,
2: everyone. It's Betsy Hicks returning with my wonderful friend, Kristen Selby-Gonzalez. And we are talking today about two new wonderful products out of the market, actually. My new book, Picky Eating Solutions, Bringing the Joy of Real Food Back to the Family Table. Uh, And, Kristen, your video is called, again? Um, My video is
3: called, Let's Go Shopping Special Foods for Special Needs. And it really highlights ADHD, PDD, NOS, autism, celiac, and even the Down syndrome community.
2: So, we're right now talking a little bit about picky eating, and uh, we're starting to talk about broths. And, Kristen, the reason I was saying this is I feel that broths are a really important step for the picky eater um, because of the texture sensitivity. And, and really going into the, the bulk of my book is really about where what's kind of like, um, what's going on with that child that, that, that makes them so sensitive that they really don't want to eat a vegetable. And a big part is the surprise factor, the texture factor, the fact that they don't know what it's going to feel like in their mouth. And so with broth. Um, because they're clear and they're smooth, it's typically a uh, texture that most kids can handle. Um, I don't know about you, Kristen, but I feel much further that picky eaters stem from kids that are sensory defensive rather than just a taste problem. Oh, I absolutely
3: agree they're really um the sensory part is one they're afraid of the unknown they're afraid of the association of something else that's been pushed up in their mouth, um, and they have a lot of um, fear
2: and uh, issues around whatever that new food is so starting with a good stock, a good nutritious stock of which I talk about I have a recipe for in the, in the in the book um, you can you can skim it out, you can make a clear Chicken, beef, a vegetable stock that you ever you want, and skim it out. Don't be afraid to add salt, especially sea salt that has mineral, trace minerals in it. You want a good sea salt in there. And a lot of people aren't fans of the making their own broth because they think it's it's so bland. But don't you do need to add a lot of salt? If you're buying a commercial soup, you wouldn't believe how much salt is involved. And there, you're getting icky salt, iodized salt, um, where with. Uh, making it yourself, you can put a good, real salt, nutritional, uh, mineral salt in there.
3: Do you recommend doing, because um, I know we do like garlic and onion and others, do you mm-hmm. recommend that as well? I, mean, I certainly thing. do.
2: But when you're first starting with a child, I recommend making it as clear as possible. So basically skimming nothing more than the broth and, and introducing just the concept of eating soup. Now, Kristen, we've kind of talked about this before a little techniques but i used to to feed my son soup in the bathtub um he was (laughs) relaxed he was calm if he dribbled it didn't bother me and it was a nice time i'd he'd be sitting in the bath he'd be nice and calm and i would bring with me a nice cup of broth and bring it to him and start giving him spoonfuls and he really enjoyed that that so, is a great technique. So from there, what I started doing is, like you said, you know, you put you put the garlic, which is in the onions that are so good for digestion in there, and you put start putting the vegetables in there, but then I would puree them. Very, very mm-hmm. smooth, very thin, nothing thick about it, but it at least started having some of the vitamins and the minerals of the vegetables in there. And yeah, the, I, I, I do a lot with the Vitamixer. Do you do a lot with your Vitamixer? I do. I do. At the time mm-hmm. I didn't have a Vitamix, I had to do this all in the blender and let me tell you all a warning. If you have a blender, do not puree hot soup. <laughs> <laughs> I had many explosions in my in my days of, uh, you know, oh, I think it's cool enough and, and it would, you know, go all over the kitchen. So so you, you want to make sure you've cooled down the soup a little bit before you blend it and then possibly reheat it or however you want to do it. But um, that is a good way. And then you can start gradually thickening up that soup. You can, you know, start with something that's very thin and making it a little bit thicker. Then I started making cream of chicken soups. So then I started making, you know, putting tons of kale in there and actually making them creamy because kale stems actually have a very milky texture and when you puree them they almost add a creaminess to the soup Ooh, that sounds good so so the, those those are the types of things that we that we talk about and that's why the, having a good um, stock recipe is, is a really important thing to do um, and then I, we also talk about things like the gagger, Kristen. I'd love to hear your opinions on this because I I have my own kind of opinions. I understand that there are some children that really can have some gagging effects, um, mm-hmm. but I also think that a lot of children use it as a uh, using it as a reinforcement tool because the first time they gag. All the food's taken away, and they know now that if they gag, it's all brought away. And I'm not trying in in any way to say that the child's being manipulative. I think they're just reacting. But I don't think that you should be so afraid. If your child has had something before and thrown up, I don't think you should be so afraid and never return to it. What do you think about that?
3: Oh, I absolutely agree. And again, I you know to touch on yes, there are some children that have some type of oral issues with swallowing. And once you rule that out, um, you know for the most part, when I talk to families, I say, well, can they swallow other things? Well, yes, they can. Exactly. Okay, well, then once I know that, then I think the gagging for a lot of for a lot of our children um, is a button pushing thing where it's they like you said they know what they're they know what's going to happen when they throw it up, and then you're going to feel like oh my gosh they're going to starve to death, and they don't. Like it or whatever, um, I would say not to react. I mean, I know we went through a small phase with Jackson, not very, not very intense, but we did go through a small phase of that with him on certain foods, and I just didn't, I didn't react, and then I just kept explaining to him how good the food was, and we had fun around it, and you know, it was just kind of like, all right, you know, it's 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 going to be okay, and guess what, we get to try it again, you know, and it wasn't like I forced it down his throat; I just kept offering it. But I would really highlight to the parents: don't freak out if they do that, especially. If you ruled out that there's a there's an issue with swallowing, if you rule that out, then uh, it becomes a button push. Every time you get excited, it's like they then, they now got re- like you said that was reinforced that wow this is this is something a, a way I can get in my way.
2: Your, your physician should be able to evaluate whether or not there's an actual swallowing problem involved. And certainly, it's, I've found a lot of good speech therapists can evaluate mm-hmm. whether or not there's a swallowing problem involved. But once again, what Kristen said is perfect. You know, if the child's eating goldfish crackers and um, ice cream, and um, but then also being able to eat. Uh, a, Eating, trying to think of something, fruit roll-ups or something like that. They don't have a, they don't have as much of a swallowing issue because those those are all foods that re- are are very different types of textures, and typically, if they can do those, they can do other foods too. And I think a lot of times it's the parent
3: that has the fear or it has yeah. the parent, I know for myself, a version of wanting to try something new. I know for me, especially with the, the cultured veggies or the fermented veggies, I know the first time I looked at those, I thought, oh, gosh, this kid's not going to eat this. And I automatically put this whole kind of belief around it.
1: Right. and became very
3: fearful. And the face that I must have had when I wanted to introduce it originally was probably the face that then he he read my face. It was like, yeah. oh, this must be gross, disgusting, and nasty, <laughs> you know. No. And so I think we all have to be very careful when we were introducing foods. And now my child kind of got me back. He kept just throwing it back in my mouth, and I had to eat it and smile. And right. <laughs> you know, yeah. really... right, right. But, you the know, kids, again, you were you know, so right.
2: <laughs> the kids totally pick up on that, just like, just like when you talk about shopping for vegetables. I know you, and I, I could tell that you're the same way that I am. When I go into a produce section, I get so excited. It's like I'm in a flower shop, and, and it's like, oh, look how beautiful this is. Look how beautiful that is. And kids really, really pick up on that.
3: Yeah, if we – it's how we introduce things, and it's really – and you can't fake it with these kids either. These kids really understand when we're faking it. So we really have to, like, then check in with ourselves, you know, not to talk a lot about beliefs, but I think a lot of everything we talk about, you know, really you have to get a belief behind that of why you're doing it and really get excited and get behind it. And I think once you get there – I mean really the sky's the limit. I mean you can really introduce anything. I mean once I got really behind it, carnival oil seemed like no big deal. <laughs>
2: i know i know (laughs) yeah and and it it, and and this is so true for so many different things and and kristen one of the things I, i need to talk about the book too right now is that i do use this book as a tool for parents as well as for children this is not just a book for children it's a book for picky eaters in general because picky eating parents tend to have picky eating children and it's it's just what you're explaining it's that reaction if the parents think that that's something really gross or scary i remember one time being in a grocery store and this little child was asking his mom to buy this particular kind of cracker that um that had some sort of hazelnuts or something in it and the mom said oh you won't like that it's gross it has nuts and i thought oh my gosh that is the setup for uh, this poor child who's just trying to explore, who's interested and is already not even getting a chance to try and explore. Oh, uh, that's
3: so true, because I've, I've seen people do that all the time, I mean. I've seen even family members of mine that when I'll say something, I'll say, oh, you know, ask for him this, I'll say, oh, he won't like it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, and already, they've already made that that kind of determination of that. And, you know, and again, if we, we look at food as either medicine or poison to our children, and we, you know, you were talking a little bit about GMO and stuff, if we if we really look at that as, like, gosh, we just want our children to have a healthy foundation, whether that be the produce, the meat, gluten-free, gazing free whatever that ends up being for you, um, I think that we can really then um, be more appreciative of the
2: foods and not look at it as gross, sticky, and disgusting. Yes. Oh my goodness, that's so true. Enjoying this food and enjoying all that it has to bring to the table. You know, I I'm a foodie by heart. I love food. I love the celebration of food. I'm so European that way where I you know, to me a meal is a huge celebration and and it's and it's many courses and it's many fun different things and I I really do take a lot of time in the kitchen and but you don't have to. Uh, you know, a well-planned meal and really and i and i talk about this another p- a big part of my book is Talking about setting up your kitchen and how to make your kitchen so easy and so fast that you can get in there, get a meal together, and pull out. Um, because I think that a lot of people are very, very scared of their kitchen. I think that it tends to be the place that accumulates the bills that are sitting around. It tends to be the place where, you know, the scrap pieces of paper or old appliances are sitting, or all kinds of notes on the refrigerator of things that you have to do are there, and so you, people walk into their kitchen and it has bad energy they don't like the way it feels they don't like the way it looks or the way it flows but even the tiniest tiniest of kitchens because i know so many europeans who who make amazing meals in kitchens that we would consider impossible to to work in when you're efficient when you really have a well-organized kitchen you can do anything in there well, and I always say, too, it doesn't have to be a
3: Petri dish either, because for a lot of us who have children on the spectrum, we have supplements and you know all this other stuff happening in our kitchen, so there's definitely ways that you can make it so you get excited to get into the
2: kitchen versus thinking it's almost like a, a science lab. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, and we're, we'll, we can talk a little bit more about those. We're going to take another break right now. Uh, we'll be back in just a very short time, and we'll talk some, about some good kitchen techniques to make it easier to make the kitchen flow into your household. We'll be right back with Betsy Hicks and Kristen Selby-Gonzalez.
5: A healthy dialogue for your lifestyle. Voice America Health and Wellness.
0: The Marsh Engel Show. Join the movement to empower yourself with the essentials of feminine power and success and learn how women around the world are becoming more inspired, more influential, and absolutely amazing. Each week, Marsh sits down for an engaging conversation with women who are boldly committed to living their most amazing life. You'll discover ways to step into your greatest vision, deepen your relationships, and unleash your real creative brilliance. Get ready. It's time to jump into the conversation. It's Monday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern for the Marsh Engel Show on the Voice America Business Network.
5: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program, here's Terry.
2: Hi everyone, it's Betsy Hicks. I'm back and I have Kristen Selby Gonzalez and we're talking today about a couple of different projects, my big book that just recently came out, Picky Eating Solutions, bringing the joy of real food, back to the table, um, and that is available at, right now, it will be available on Amazon soon, but for right now, it's just available on my own personal website, which is elementalsliving.com, elementalsliving.com, and it's also available in the Kindle version as well. Um, Kristen, your video is available where? Right now, um, we have it
3: available at uh, www.nonamenutrition.com. Again, that's no com, And then also, um, and it's going to start being available more, it just came out this weekend. Right yeah, But um, we also have it at um, the, the conference at Autism One, too. Very excited right. about
2: that. Isn't that kind of funny, Kristen, how we've both been working on these projects and they both came out the same week? That's kind oh, of it's... funny. I I just think it's the synergy, you know, it has I know. To be the it's synergy. Just, this is excitement. So I I think talking a little bit about the kitchen which also talks a little bit about in many ways, your project, um, as well because your video, because it 's really about um, kind of making that flow with your vegetables and all that kind of has to happen you know, i ta- I have a section in the kitchen about, uh, about in my book about the kitchen where I talk about utensils and um, cookware that you want to have, basic spices, basic foods you always want to keep into your pantry because uh, I am not a pre-planner when it comes to food. This is how I work it, and, and uh, you know, this works for me. It may not work for everybody, but this works really, really well for me. I buy my meat directly from the farmer, my chicken directly from the farmer, and I um, buy eggs uh, even, yeah I, I get them locally type type of thing. But for the most part, I don't go to grocery stores very often because what I do is I have a freezer for my chicken, I have a freezer for my beef and my lamb, and then, um, and, and I keep fish, I, I order I order fish, but that needs to be kept a little bit fresher. And so I, in the morning, I do make a decision what I'm going to do for dinner that night. And then I pull it out of the freezer and let that defrost during the daytime. You know, if I'm doing a whole chicken, then I typically do it the night before. But then I, I do shop every once to every, sometimes once every two weeks for things such as my vegetables. And how I do it is is i start i as soon as I get the vegetables home from the uh, grocery store i I start with what's going to go bad first what what's the what is going to wilt the fastest, usually the lettuce, and then for a couple of days we really take a lot of, do a lot of lettuce, a lot of the green leafy vegetables, and save more of the root vegetables and the things that are hardier for the for the end of the the shopping cycle for for you know later before, right before I have to go shopping again.
3: That's a great you're Better than me. I, I just buy a whole bunch of stuff and make a whole bunch of stuff, <laughs> and then as I basically as I start noticing, oh gosh, we haven't eaten this. it's like, okay, well, everybody start eating
2: because we got some stuff. To- <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then and then if, then if it's already gone bad, not bad, but if it's starting to wilt and you don't think you want that spinach that's looking a little wilty, or maybe that those beet uh, greens that are looking a little wilty, throw them into a meatloaf, juice them, put them into a stock. Mm. Don't throw them away because there's so many wonderful things that you can do with those wilted greens that can still give it a new life.
3: Now, when you say wilted greens, I have a question. So is it – now, how wilted can it be? Because that's one of the first times I've heard about the wilted part. Like if it's – obviously you don't want mold or anything on it. Exactly. What exactly, because maybe some of us don't really, when I'm trying to picture it wilted, I'm picturing by the time I see it wilted, there's some not some fun stuff looking like it's on there. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, yeah. if, <laughs> it,
2: if, it's, if it's brown, if it's moldy, if it's really showing, like, signs of of, of, of of some sort of a rotting, throw it away by all means. But I typically, I'm, I'm such, I, I love, love fresh food. So I'm a little bit of a snob when it comes to if my, uh if my uh spinach isn't quite crisp or if my um you know it's it's just looking like of course with spinach it's a little different cuz you can sauté it and then it's perfectly fine but if my if my carrots have some bend to them for example <laughs> <laughs> if if um my i i love beets so if my beets have some kind of give to them where they're not really hard and firm like they were when i first brought them back those are the things that i like to juice or put into a meatloaf or or, or do put into a stock
3: so basically um as i'm sure some of us are listening to So when I'm thinking of lettuce, okay, so, you know, sometimes you buy the lettuce and, you know, maybe like a day or so goes by and it was fresh when you bought it. But maybe there's just a little bit of brown and, you know, it's it's barely brown. It's just a little bit light. It's not as fresh because we actually don't know how long it was on the shelf either. Exactly. You know, at the the market. So if it's still kind of crisp, um, even Mm -hmm. with a little bit of brown, you would say that was good. But if it's getting a little bit where it looks like it's aging, that's when you would say
2: go ahead and start juicing. Yeah, and and I have to say... Yeah, I have to say, juicy my lettuce is not something that I'm really into. I, I don't know if I'd like the taste of that. I'm sure there are people who do, so I don't want to knock it, but yeah, lettuce is kind of a different one. I uh, I But I, I'm pretty fast at eating my lettuce. It's kind of all the others. Uh, I, I love variety and vegetables. I love So yes, you're, you're exactly right what you just said, though, um, and to be able to, to and to keep them fresher longer. So Kristen, one thing I, I didn't say before I told people that this, is what I do, is the fact that I live very far from a grocery store. I own, actually, a small health food store, but we don't have fresh produce in it. It's just a small little store right now. So I don't have access to fresh organic vegetables. Like, some people can just stop on their way home and being able to get there. I live in the middle of a very, very small community that doesn't even have a grocery store with a health food section. And so, um, for me, I have to prioritize my vegetables this way. So you have to figure out which what's you know what what like gets um, what goes bad first, and that's how you go. You go down And that's way. kind of how I go. So so anyway, going back to this, it's just when you have the the, the supplies into your house, and I talk about spices, and I talk about you know, sauces and things like that. You don't have to make elaborate meals. It, it really blows my mind when people say that they they hate cooking, but yet they'll pick recipes that have so many elaborate steps to them. It doesn't need to be like this. A whole piece of chicken, a beautiful, wonderful piece of chicken in its whole form with just a good quality spice spice sprinkled on it, broiled in the oven or stir fried, is nothing that takes very long to make and it's so delicious and it's so wonderful and you might think, well, that could be very, very boring. But if you have a good variety of spices on hand and some different types of sauce uh, options, I make sauces very, very quickly because I feel sauces are another quick puree thing that you can do to make different types of sauces and, and make it wonderful for kids to dip in and do other kinds of things like that. This you know, one thing, Kristen, that people say to me is like, "Well, I'm not a good cook," and I said, "You know what? There was a time when I was a lousy cook too. I I was a horrible cook. In fact, the very first dinner party I had, I made lasagna, and I didn't know that you're supposed to actually boil the noodles before you made the lasagna." <laughs> I, I want to tell people out there, we're all not good cooks at one time of our life. It's really making the decision to allow creativity, have some fun, and don't feel such a slave to recipes. I think people get so afraid, oh my gosh, I don't have any tarragon, I can't make this. Okay, you don't have any tarragon, try dill, maybe oregano, maybe some basil will work well. Go with what you have and don't be so afraid to explore in your kitchen. Well, I think also
3: as you're mentioning the the names of the spices, I think some of us, I mean, I know the names now, but I can remember a time where I'd look at a recipe and i go, my gosh, what the heck is that? I have never heard of that before. You know, and I remember going into the market asking them, what is this? Is this a spice? Is this a fruit? Is it a vegetable? I don't know what this is. And I think we can get ourselves very intimidated and say, well, gosh, I don't even know what that is. I can't make it. And that's why I would say, you know, like what Betsy's saying is that if you just educate yourself on what that is, you might have something already in your cupboard, you know, that you may be able to substitute for. Or, you know, just try one recipe. The other thing is we always talk about if you're buying a prepackaged food, if it has more than, you know, rule of thumb for me is if it had more than five ingredients in it, I probably wouldn't buy it. More, right. more likely. Yeah, so think about your own recipes. I mean, why add this elaborate recipe when you could probably come up with about five ingredients that you really, really enjoy using, using your spices and your oils. And, you know, if you are using raw butters and different
2: things like that, you'll probably come up with like, your own type of blend that, you know, really makes sense for your family. A great place to go for this, and, and I have to say, I know this is not an organic company, but I think it's a wonderful place to go for good food education is Penzi Spices. Now, they're not in all cities, but they're in a lot of different cities, or any sort of a the spice house, or um, there's a few different ones where they're basically stores that do nothing but spices. Go without a child... <laughs> <laughs> and spend like an hour in there because most of them you can smell, you can walk around, you can you can a lot of them have great blends like and they'll call them like poultry blends, fish blends, beef blends and and you can figure out what what could you could do because so many people buy. Pre-packaged products because they don't know how to flavor it up, and that's really expensive to do. But if you buy a five dollar, six dollar jar of a good spice, it's going to make it for probably thirty different m- meals. You know, you're really in a good investment that way. That's great. What is it called again? Uh, well, I like Penzi's spices, but I know there's it's P E N Z E Y S. I know there's the Spice House. Um, there's there's different ones in different cities. Penzi's is a Wisconsin-based company, although they're they're located um, nationwide. Um, so uh, there's there's lots of really good ones. But find a good Spice House. It's a good a good place to go. Um, getting back to um, to the picky eater and. Kind of like other brief little tips that you can you can do on this and is for, ki- for cooking is Kristen and I have talked about this a lot, and, and that's it, getting our children involved in the process of both shopping and of cooking. Kristen, I know you are way better as a mom with this subject than I am. <laughs> I don 't know about that, but yeah i
3: just I try to have fun, and you know the one thing I've learned through this journey um with my son is that if I have a lot of fun, that is going to basically translate um to him, and he starts having fun and Here's a funny example. I was actually talking to a girlfriend yesterday on the phone, and I was just laughing hysterically. I got tears coming out of my eyes, I was laughing so hard, <laughs> and he had no idea what I was singing on the phone, but he was sitting next to me, and he just started laughing and. (laughs) And, you know, I I realized right then, well, gosh, you know, they can learn so much from us about our experiences. So I think, you know, modeling and just really not caring what other people think, which I think is hard in the beginning for some of us, but at the end of the day, if you can laugh at whatever happened that day, um, you know, and I have a motto that says, you know, like, let's say something, let's say, you you know, you spill some milk or you miss your airplane, which sometimes I've done, (laughs) or, you know, something like that happens. I always think to myself, well, if this is, the worst thing that happened today and that's we're doing pretty good sure. Yes, you know and so I think if you kind of live by that motto when you're in the stores or when you're trying to cook and maybe the recipe doesn't come out perfect but it comes out um, nice. I think you can have fun with that and I think again no matter what you do you just have to
2: have fun and model fun You know, get the television out of the kitchen if your kids are around, and and sit there and talk to them as much as you possibly can in the kitchen. Even if they're not helping cook, I have an eat-in kitchen, and that is my time to connect with my kids. They don't necessarily help me in the kitchen, but they're watching me in the kitchen, and and that having that connection around food is a big piece. We got to take another break, Kristen. We'll be, we'll everybody stay tuned. We'll be right back.
5: A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: The Autism Hope Alliance is dedicated to the recovery of children and adults from autism. The goal of this nonprofit organization is to ignite hope for families facing the diagnosis through education and funding to promote progress today. Diet modification, biomedical intervention, and educational therapy have been shown to be successful tools on the path to recovery. Through these efforts, we believe hope will replace hopelessness. Recovery for our children is a reality. For more information, go to AutismHopeAlliance.org. This ain't your mama's brain and health show. Tune
4: in and get ready for entertainment and information about your mind and body that will really change your life. Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio is a sane departure from conventional thinking about diet, health, and the brain. Host Nora Gedgoudis will also combine humor and science to illuminate the mind and open your eyes to the principles of neurofeedback and diet, which can help you and your family live a better life primal body primal mind radio airs live wednesdays at 10 a.m pacific 1 p.m eastern on the voice america health and wellness channel
5: opinions options answers you're listening to voice america health and wellness
1: welcome back to autism one a conversation of hope with terry aranga if you have a question or comment call us toll free at 866-472-5792 now back to the program here's terry
2: Hi, everybody. You're back with Betsy Hicks and Kristen Selby-Gonzalez, and we are talking today about many different things. We've been talking about my new book that just came out, Picky Eating Solutions, and Kristen's been talking about her uh, DVD that just came out, which is Uh, Let's Go Shopping Special Feeds for Special Needs. And now we're going to talk a little bit about Autism One as well. Autism One is coming up Memorial Day weekend. It starts on, does it start on Tuesday or Wednesday, Kristen? It actually starts, um, I believe that on Monday they start having things. It's a whole week this week. Wow. This year. Yes, so, um, so it's going to start Monday. So what day is that? That's the, so it's the Monday before Memorial Day weekend. I think it's the 24th if I'm, if I'm correct. Okay, great that. And so it's going to start Monday. I think there's some, you know,
3: look at the schedule. Go to autism1.org. Look at what's happening every day. Every day there's something going on. Um, and I know we were talking earlier, Betsy, you're going to be there on Wednesday. And what exactly are you doing there on Wednesday?
2: Oh, I'm getting to do my favorite subject. I'm, do, I'm just doing a one-hour lecture on picky eating solutions. I'm not cooking this year because I'm leaving. I'm leaving for Dubai um, and I'm going to be doing the Autism Symposium out in Dubai and doing a four-hour cooking class there, so I'm not going to be cooking at Autism One here this year, but I will be talking about Picky Eating Solutions, and that'll be on Wednesday, sometime in the morning. I I, I know it's between 9 and 12 noon, sometime around there on Wednesday morning. And your books is your book going to be available at Autism One? It will be, yes, definitely. Very cool.
3: And then I know that um, I'm going to be speaking. Um, I'm actually going to be speaking um, about sensory integration. So my lecture is called "Sensory Savvy Strategies 101." Uh, Say that three times fast. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm speaking on Friday at 1:45 to 2:45. And then also, what's very exciting is Tom Bohager, who is the founder and owner of Enzymatica. He's going to be speaking Friday as well, from four to five on enzyme therapy and autism. And so I, I'm very excited. And on top of that, oh, I don't think I, don't think I told you this, too, Betsy. EnzoMedica um, uh, is coming out with a new product. I just thought of this as I was talking um, called Digest Spectrum, and we're launching that at Autism One. So it will be the first time anyone's ever seen that, and it's a brand-new product, so make sure to come and talk to wow. us at our booth and, uh, and come listen to Tom's lecture, too. And sensory, my sensory lecture will also help you figure out ways to have fun, um, you know, with all the different things we talk about with diet and- and, you know, um, and supplements and play therapies and some new uh, tools that are out there today. So,
2: looking you know, forward to seeing everybody. I have done uh, a t- I had Tom on my show I think twice uh, in the past, and he is fabulous. He is a wonderful person to listen to, to and I've always learned so much from him. Every time I hear it too, it's like I can never seem to hear him enough because I always pick up something new. And now that you have a new product of which I'm kind of already like wanting to take you aside and say tell me everything now. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, <yeah>. that's <laughs> even more exciting that that's going to be there. And yeah so it's it's it is going to be a wonderful conference this year. We hope everyone's going to be coming um is it going to be available um through any webcasting? Are you aware of that you mean the, the lectures the lectures are they going to be doing a live stream any web any web i you know I'm not sure um I do think I know last year they they offered like the CDs afterwards and certain people right. have the video you know I think it's usually like the keynotes but I'm... um yeah, I'm glad. Check check at one dot org because um, that that's always a really good feature for people who want to be there live and hear things they can actually register on and, and hear live streams. So I, I'm not sure if they're doing that again this year, but that's a wonderful fun thing to be able to do. Because. I mean, and Go ahead. Well, I was
3: say, I was going to say, if you can't get to the conference and they aren't doing that, then make sure to check in with them after because you can then order certain people's CDs or DVDs of things that you know um, that are of interest to you, and so
2: that you can um, at least if you can't get to the conference, at least you can get um, the educational information afterwards. That's always a very very fun thing to do too. All right, Kristen, should we go back to a few more uh, kitchen or uh, food tips while we're mm-hmm. before we have to go? I, there's one thing I would like to add um, before we finish today's show is I would like to tell you I did for this book I did a little bit of a research project and I interviewed um, a lot of middle school students because i was thought they were a good age of kids that um were really in the in the crux of the picky eaters i mean they were they're really severe usually around the middle school age because they have a lot more independence and a lot more power to make their own choice but um you know actually in high school vegetables get a little bit cool they get a little bit you know trendy and they think they're they're good in in high school but in middle school it's not a really cool time <laughs> So I did some surveys, and I talked to a lot of I talked to teachers, and I talked to students, and I talked to parents. Um, I actually did a, a Survey Monkey survey, interviewing a lot of different kids. But here's the majority of what I came out from that study, which I really think is interesting. And that was the majority of the children really wanted to eat vegetables, but felt that they were presented in really, as they put it, gross ways. I think that a lot of our kids' picky eaters are stemming from the fact that non-organic foods just simply don't taste good. I mean, Kristen, you and I have been eating nothing but organic vegetables for a lot of years, and certainly a good farmer's market, even if it is, whether organic or not, something from a good farmer's market that's that fresh is going to taste awesome. But in general, organic fruits and vegetables taste better. And these kids are, they're calling them picky eaters because they're not wanting to eat wilted icky, old, non-flavorful fruits and vegetables, and I don't blame them. Well, and I think also it goes back to the parents too, because you had touched on the subject of the parents
3: being a picky eater. And so think about if you have a toddler or middle-aged child, you know, middle school child, or um, whatever the age of the child is, they're going to be introduced to the foods that you bring into the house. And I can tell you from you know my experience of having friends, like when I would go to a friend's house growing up, if they only ate, you know, um, you know, non-fat milk and you know uh, some vegetables or whatever for dinner, that's what I ate, um, and that child. Never thought anything weird about it, but if you're a family who eats a lot of fast food or processed foods, or you know, um, you know, prepackaged foods, and then all of a sudden you try to introduce this stuff, it completely might be shocking to some of these children so again I think it goes back to the parents really just bringing this in and bringing it in an exciting way but going back to also the locally grown thing oh my gosh there's a local uh, farmer over here and it's not organic but I have to tell you their strawberries are some of the best strawberries I've ever tasted and it's if you can't get organic the next best step would be to get locally grown that's really really fresh
2: that's for sure and actually and sometimes even locally grown it can be better than organic depending on where the organic farmers are pulling it in from so so you you do you want to always go local as much as you possibly can, um, and you know I I going back to what you're saying about the kids and the parents and all of that. So many of the kids would say to me, um, "We can't, our families can't afford healthy food." I was hearing that over and over again, and I do live in a very big farming community um, where they're not farming fruits and vegetables; they're farming processed gmo corn and soy but but um so many of them said it was too expensive for their families to eat well and but then when i really kind of probed into what they were eating they were going out at least three to four times a week and getting you know i it a dinner at culver's or a McDonald's or Burger King whatever it can be very expensive and so can t- to go pizza so mm-hmm. i think that i think that when, you know it's really a priority as to ways my next book that i would love to write if i can get the time to get this together is a book on eating healthy on a budget because i think it's not as difficult as people think it is
3: yeah, and I think also we overlook, you know, the, the local farmers as well, because I know if I go to the farmer's market over here, I'm, I'm fortunate. I live in, um, in Southern California, so I have access to different things all around me. But, you know, the, lo- the local farmer's market here, you can get a hu- huge bushel of different things, or you can get, they actually have this one thing where it's produced in a box. And nice. so, and I think it's $20, and there's just tons of, and you, every week you can get something different in there. But it's all these different fresh vegetables. And the one thing, speaking about enzymes is that the fresher your produce is, the fresher your food is, the more enzyme activity is in there. So that's also something to note when you're buying your food. If you have the opportunity, definitely don't overlook
2: the farmer's market. Definitely, and store your vegetables nicely. You know, uh, you can't, I I really love those. Do you ever use the clay bags, the green clay bags? I I find, I'm I'm hoping that I'm not going to find out after I say that that they're really toxic. (laughs) I've never used them, so I don't know much about them. I absolutely love them. They sell them at a lot of health food stores, and they're just green bags that have a very thin lining of clay in them that help absorb the gases that turn them brown faster. So I love, as soon as I get home from the farmer's market, I'll put things in those Clay bags so that they stay as fresh as long as they possibly can, because the taste of a fresh vegetable is is so important. When I had these, I had about seven of these middle schoolers over to my house. Then one day, and they for a sleepover. And the following morning, I had made a beef stew. Um, some of these children have never had um, certain vegetables ever in their life that I had put in this stew, and almost all of the kids, all but one, just readily and hungrily ate the stew saying it was just absolutely amazing and they said but at home they wouldn't have even tried it because it's it it just it was just the way that it smelled and the way that it, it 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 you know went penetrated the house and they could tell that it was made with love and and then all their friends were eating it so they felt like it was an okay thing to do so I, I urge you as parents that are listening out there not to give up, not to give up on cooking for yourself, not to give up on find the right ways to shop. Go Take Kristen's DVD and learn how to shop for these foods. Uh, get your kitchen prepared. Make it a happy place. And look at this as a positive thing that's really going to affect not only your children's health but your whole family's health.
3: Absolutely. One thing, um, uh, to, at least for me to end on on my note, is that, um, when I'm, when I'm cooking in the kitchen, I always have music playing. Um, yeah, I think, too. I think the association, you know, it doesn't matter if it, I can sometimes have classical music, sometimes I have rock and roll, depending on what my child's into. But I gotta tell you, he, we will be in that kitchen dancing and laughing and giggling and really just putting that whole association into that. Um, of, you know, that's a good, positive experience. Whatever that is for you,
2: I think that, um, music could also be something to add into the kitchen. I could not agree more. Make your kitchen a happy place to be. And we really, both Kristen and I, hope to see you um, at Autism One this uh, Memorial Day weekend. Once again, for information on how to get our products, um, if you're looking for picky eating solutions, you can just put it at, at, through Amazon on the Kindle. You can just put in picky eating solutions and you'll have that come up. It's 10.95 on the Kindle. Um, you can go through my website, which is elementalsliving.com e l e m e n t a l s living.com i want to let you know that the book retails for 16.95 the the actual book of itself on our website it shows for 11.95 and the reason it does that is because on our website we ship um, a lot of products and we cannot lower our shipping cost lower than $7 because of uh, the type of shipment we do so um, that's why the book is only priced at 95 is because there's a seven dollars shipping, but it all works out to be the same price anyway. Um, and for the most part, you're not having to pay for shipping. Um, and then, Kristen, can you give information on how to get your DVD one more time? Sure, and again, it's going to be offered at more spots later on, but right now
3: it's offered at www.nonamenutrition.com. You can go there and get it there. Um, also, will be at Autism One, and just so you guys know, it's a suggested uh, donation price of $10, and that money is going to go back into the Autism Hope Alliance, that nonprofit helping families with education and scholarships today.
2: So very, very excited, to so pay it for kind of DVD. Oh, wonderful. All right, everybody. Kristen, I look forward to seeing you at Austin. Oh, me too. And everybody else, please come up and say hi. If you've been listening, we'd love to meet you. Take care, everybody. Bye.
1: Bye-bye. <laughs>